does a person become a missionary? What does it look like to go from calling to serving on the mission field? That's what I want to walk through tonight. We're going to go from the beginning and all the way to the end. I have my complete notes here, and so I'm going to read some of it. I'm going to explain some of it. So I want to start with calling, okay? We have missionaries come in. We show these presentations, right? You hear about the need. Last week we heard about the need in Australia. Uh, and maybe God has pricked your heart to say, wow, I want to be further involved. And uh, Gavin, you want one of these? Call you out here. Yeah. Here you go. Awesome. Maybe God has pricked your heart to, to go. I don't know, but I, that, he does that. So I want to talk about how do we know that we're called? I want to clarify some of these things. And I have a few scripture verses to explain. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. This is a verse that every one of us can apply to our lives. This is not simply a verse for missionaries. The Bible simply says, listen, uh, here's what you do. You want, you want some direction from God. You give him all the trust you have with all your heart. You say, God, I am fully trusting you. It says, lean not unto your own understanding. I mean, I, I'm saying, God, it's not about me. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm not going to go with my own plans. What, are, what do you want for me? And he says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In every decision, it, the, 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 the person that will become a missionary will be saying, God, I surrender all of this to you. I'm looking to you for direction in every single area. And the Bible says God directs your paths. And, and we believe, and I, I sincerely believe, that God wants to guide you. He wants to help you. Not, not one of us should be directionless, that God can lead you. And he, and he may lead you to become a missionary, and God does that for some Matthew 28, uh, verse number 18, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Calling to ministry, the calling to ministry, is the intersection of God's will revealed in Scripture and your heart's surrender to follow Him. God leads specifically to have you consider the possibility of a full-time ministry vocation. Uh, there, there comes a time in, the person, in somebody that's called to a ministry, called to vocational ministry, that they're saying to God, my heart is yours, my will is yours, direct my paths, I acknowledge you in every way. And they have this overwhelming desire to fulfill, and they believe wholeheartedly that the one who has all authority commanded them to go. And at some point, that command to go, that burden to go, that calling to go, the need of the lost intersects with your desire to follow the Lord. And you start to ask questions, well, what in the world, how can I how can I do that if I'm doing this career? Or how can I pursue what God wants me? How can I make a change in Australia or in the Philippines or whatever ministry that God's calling you to? If you, you know, at some point you say, I just can't do both, right? So there's this calling. I want to give you some things to consider in regard to calling. Um, first thing, uh, past experience. God we'll often use our past experience to bring success in our future ministry. Um, you see this all throughout these missionaries. It uh, doesn't matter who you are, where you're going. Um, God prepares you for what he wants you to do. And he will use your life experience. Oftentimes it's the difficulties or the trials or lessons that you learned that he'll use to direct you. He directs your burdens in that way. He directs, you know, how, how does God lay on your heart the, the, the people that you need to help and that you want to help and the cause that you want to fight for? How, how does it that somebody like Reba uh, has this heart for women in Guatemala? You know, God uses uh, just their life and their circumstances and sometimes the people that you meet and what you've done 
and uh, your professional experience. Oftentimes, God will use the career experience or the ministries that you've served in in the past as kind of a launching pad, a, a guide. You know, you're on this path already, and that's going to guide you to your calling. Uh, next is circumstances. Uh, God is able to arrange our circumstances to draw us to a point where ministry is a priority and can be considered a full-time calling. Uh, these people who are missionaries, sometimes they come from career business people sitting in the pews. Sometimes they come from people that are already in ministry in some other way. Uh, they, they have various backgrounds. But somehow God arranges circumstances. And many times it's through a missions conference or a missions emphasis or a missionary coming through. And then you find yourself in the circumstance where you're already considering what you should be doing in life. You already have this heart to serve God. And then he, God lines you up with a path, uh, a, a goal, a mission, a country, a people, something that he wants you to do. So God uses circumstances in your calling. Uh, the next thing is mentors and leaders. You, you should consider this. Missionaries always should have the blessing of those that know them best and lead them. Uh, becoming a missionary is not a solo activity. It requires the help of many to see it through. And so uh, what I want you to know about this is that when somebody says, I feel like God's called me to ministry, it is never, ever recommended that they just kind of run forward in it all on their own. Uh, there's wisdom and counsel and wise counsel, and God gives us pastors and teachers and mentors and leaders. And uh, in the most successful situations with ministries and missionaries, there are people that their calling is not only in inward, but it's confirmed outward as well. That's why even when you're uh, talking about having new pastors, the Bible talks about laying hands suddenly on no man. There's this idea that there is a leader that is saying, I am behind you. And I will tell you, as we go further into this, what a missionary has to do to successfully get to the field cannot be done just by some maverick doing their own thing. Just is, is not, it requires the help of many to see it through. Uh, next is passions. God leads us according to our passions. He uses what we care about deeply to guide our paths. Uh, if you're considering like what God wants you to do, you really need to ask the question, um, what need in the world do you want to fix? What problem do you see and you say, why doesn't somebody just go fix this? Why doesn't somebody go address that need? Won't somebody do something about that? It's like um, the David uh, and Goliath story. Is there not a cause? Like he was, is not somebody going to fight this giant? And that is the, that can be a, a clear indicator of a calling that God is telling you, if you feel this burden, it's not necessarily he wants you to go tell somebody else that there is a problem. He wants to use you to fulfill it. It's like we were talking about a couple Sundays ago when we pray uh, for the harvest field. The harvest is plenteous. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. He'll send forth laborers. Well, if we pray that prayer, he answers it by sending us. That's, that's how he does it. So um, consider your passions. Uh, what is God burdening your heart to change? And then prayer. Missionaries uh, must and, and will spend time seeking God for his peace and direction in their decision making. Uh, a calling starts with God, and a calling ends with God. The idea is that it's God stirring this up in you, and you need to clarify some things in prayer. You need to get some confirmations in prayer. Uh, oftentimes, the peace of God in your life, you know, um, there's a scripture that teaches whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Like when we go forward in a calling, we go forward with God's confidence and God's peace. We might say, I just don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm sure this is where God's giving me peace to pursue. And that's how we can discern calling. Uh, calling, yeah, I wrote this down here. Calling isn't always as dramatic as we would picture. Some people, when they talk about like their salvation testimony or like spiritual experiences, uh, they're very dramatic. And they're like, you would never believe I was sitting in church and this happened. And it was like light came down from heaven and like they describe it as this grand thing. Um, it's not always like that for people. Sometimes it's somebody saying, wow, um, I realize there's a command in Scripture to go and preach the gospel. And then somebody comes in and says, oh, look, there's nobody over here preaching the gospel. Oftentimes it's just a still small voice. It's not a big dramatic thing. And uh, it's okay 
uh, it's often someone simply being available to do God's work where they're needed. You don't have to wait for a sign. You can volunteer for ministry. So that's, that's, that's calling. So at some point with a missionary, they have to experience a calling. Uh, it can just be God burdening their heart through Scripture. They hear something. They see something. Their surrender lines up with God's purpose, and it's, that's a calling, right? So missionaries have this calling. Uh, and, and then uh, I just want you to consider what are the qualifications of a missionary? How, how, how is a missionary qualified? Is it, can anybody be a missionary? Uh, first of all, you need to consider the biblical qualifications for a pastor. Uh, we're not going to turn there and go through that because I have a lot of notes here. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1, uh, we see that the Bible outlines what it is to be qualified to pastor. So if you feel God is calling you to pursue ministry as a church planting, pastoring missionary, those are your qualifications. But I, I want you to know, like, there are other types of missionaries, and I, I want to outline that for you. But most traditional missionaries must live up to the qualifications of pastoral leadership. This includes missionaries who are church planners and pastors, but this isn't the only type of missionary work. But it is the most common. Uh, missionaries are typically church planting, pastoring missionaries. And so, so that's... Uh, so here's the different types. Let me walk through this for you, help you understand. First is the pioneer, church planner, and pastor. Like I said, it's the most common missionary type. This person is consumed with the mission to make disciples around the world, and they understand that God's chosen method to make disciples is through starting local churches in places where there are none at this time. Uh, that's God's plan, okay? We, don't, we didn't make up this stuff about church, um, we may have made up stuff like stages and pulpits and lights and sound and stuff like that. Like these are all technologies that support the ministry. But what we do, what our mission is to preach the gospel, to see people saved, baptized, teach them to do what Christ commanded, that's not, that's Jesus' stuff. And that happens in the Bible. It's in the local church. So the best way to see a city reached somewhere else or a country reach is through church planting missionaries. And uh, so this is kind of your primary one. You've got somebody that goes into another country. Right now we're talking about foreign missionary. They go into another country, another city. They, they seek to start a church. And some of them continue to pastor that church while starting other works with national pastors that they train. Some of them may plant a church and then move on to plant another church. But this is by far the most common type of missionary that we talk about. Uh, so these missionaries can be stateside or in foreign countries. So when we talk about this type of missionary, it's not always ah, somewhere far away. You know, it could be right here in this country. And I have some examples here for you. We have the Woodfins. We got to see their video a couple Sundays ago. They are missionaries to San Francisco. Would you think San Francisco needs some missionaries? Amen. Amen. Yeah, they do. We, they do. They need it, right? Uh, Ohio does too. Uh, but we sent them out there, that we support them, and uh, they are out there trying to establish a church that would then establish more churches. Um, so that, that's what they're doing in San Francisco. We have missionaries we support called the Kennedys. They were here just probably three years ago now, uh, three or four, uh, Tate and Nicole Kennedy to the Czech Republic. We support the Housers to the Philippines. That's where we're going with our mission trip next year. Uh, he's a church planting missionary. So they started a church, City Baptist Church of Lagro, and that church is growing. And they had an outreach that they were doing during the pandemic, and they're trying to establish another church. And so this is like your most common type, foreign, stateside, the pioneer church planner and pastor. Uh, but that's not all. You may say, like, God for sure is not calling me to be a church planner or pastor. And that's Okay. There are other types of missionaries, missionaries we support and missionaries that exist uh, that we may not support them. So many ministers serve in less traditional ways in order to reach niche groups or serve a specific purpose. Here are some examples. You have Dare for More Ministries. Uh, we would consider them a missionary. Uh, we support them. Uh, but it's not your church planting. Reba Bowman and her team, they, they, don't, they don't go out and plant churches, okay? 
they assist churches in what their mission is uh, on the international field and also stateside. Uh, and then uh, we have ministry like Campus Crusade for Christ, known as Crew, and we support uh, someone named Bacho, Bacho, and he is down. He's actually at Ohio State, so he that is a they are reaching college students, and that is a missions opportunity. People do that full time. We have Joseph Wicks. We support Joseph. Uh, he's an incredible guy. He came from a construction background, more of a professional background in, in business. Now he serves with an organization called Medical Missions Outreach. And what he does as a missionary, because he's an administrator, he's an organizer, is he arranges and schedules all of their trips that they take. They take, I think they have 20-something, almost 30 trips this next year to different countries, medical missions trips where they provide eye clinics. And so they'll partner with missionaries and they'll put on these clinics. So, so many people come in and the church then can minister and share the gospel and they help them with a physical need. That's an incredible ministry, medical missions outreach. And then even as recent uh, as posting the gospel, Dan Bergman, he is a missionary. He's not on the foreign field. He's in, uh, where does he live? Raleigh, North Carolina. So he is in his garage. <laughs> He's a missionary to those that are online. Very interesting. So God uses uh, traditional methods, but he has other methods as well. Amen. And uh, you would call those parachurch missionaries. They're, they're not uh, churches that are being planted. They're, they're outside of the church, helping the church, assisting the church. Uh, same would go for if some people are evangelists. We've got apologists that we support. There's many different uh, ways to be a missionary and serve God full-time. Uh, next would be missionary support or associate ministers. Uh, God clearly calls others to fill a support role or come alongside the pioneer missionaries. There are some people that say, I'm not the church planner, but you know what? I'll volunteer. I want to go full-time. I would love to do this with my life full-time. And they go and assist. Like it, You can't do everything by yourself. The same goes for church. We need... Support roles. So Sarah Widener would be a great example of that. She is not a church planting missionary, but man, she's called and she's full-time and we support her and what she's doing. And so that could be a single man, a single lady. Uh, there are, there, that could be, you know, you go as a couple, your family. Uh, some, I've, I've heard of some people who will go to the mission field. They're teachers and they will teach the missionaries children because they need educated and so there's a way to serve and be a part of this ministry full-time without actually being a church-planting missionary. We, we support now Bethany Dick uh, to the Philippines. She is not a church-planting missionary. She supports the church that she's going to be at in the Philippines. Sending, sending. Uh, most, most missionaries have a sending church that provides personal connection, support, and accountability for them while they are on the mission field. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Don't you like, that's an amazing truth, right? You love that verse. We, we preach that verse. We claim that. Uh, many of us claim that verse as we're being saved. Anybody can trust Jesus. Uh, you know, anybody can call upon the name of the Lord and they'll be saved. But the Bible says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom... They have not heard, establishing the need for missionaries. How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So um, I want to talk about ascending church. So when a missionary has this calling, like you really have a lot of questions to ask, like, well, what do I do next? Where do I go with this? So, you know, you take the advice, you talk to your pastor, you talk to some leaders, you kind of clarify what you want to do. But every missionary needs a sending church. They're, they're always sent out of somewhere. Um, ascending church is important. Uh, and I, I would say ascending church is vital to the success of a missionary. Uh, how many of you have gotten a missionary prayer card before? You've got those cards? Okay, I mean, if you look at that card, there's a few different pieces of information on that card. And one of those things is a sending church. That is the church that says to the, that missionary, like, you are out of here. We're here for you. We're behind you. You have our stamp of approval. 
uh, that would be their home church, is their sending church, okay? And um, so that's a really important thing. You'll also see on there, which we'll talk about soon, is a mission board, a missions agency. That's where the money goes to. So the money doesn't always go to the sending church. The money goes through an agency that provides accountability. We'll talk about that. But here's, here's what a sending church does. And uh, this is important because that's what we do. We are sending church for several missionaries. Uh, ascending church provides personal connection and relationship support. This, these are the people oftentimes who have the missionaries back. They say, who, who is it that they can call upon in time of need? Where are their friends located at their sending church? Um, more often than not. Um, the sending church is so important. Ascending church provides family and pastoral support. You know, who is the missionary's pastor? Who do they, who do they call? Where do they get spiritual guidance and help? It's typically from their sending church pastor. That, they would say, that's my pastor. Um, so that's what we provide for Calvin Hauser. That's what we provide for Sarah. Ascending church regularly visits its own sent missionaries. Uh, it's built into being a sending church that you will be more involved with that missionary than all the other churches that support them well. At least if you're a good sending church, you will be. That's, that's the expectation there. Ascending church is often the largest contributor for the missionary, providing a foundation for monthly support. Uh, we're going to talk about fundraising because missionaries got to have money. Well, the sending church is typically the largest supporter of that missionary, and they should be. This is where they rely on. They fall back on. This is their, this is their place, right? You get the idea. Ascending ch- uh, church provides validation and acts as the main recommendation to other churches for support raising. Uh, once you believe God has called you or led you to pursue ministry and your church is behind you, this is only the beginning. There is much to do before you actually get to your ministry. So God calls you somewhere. You're, you're ready. You're pumped. You know what God wants you to do. You have a church that, that, that thinks that you're called and put their stamp of approval. You have a pastor behind you. What happens next? How many would say you're really familiar with the concept of deputation? Deputation. Anybody? Okay, yay, I'm glad not very many people are raising their hand because you're going to be, you're going to be tonight. I want, I want to familiarize you with deputation. Um, before you leave your career and can jump into, into ministry, you have to have a plan for how to support your mission. And uh, there are several ways to gain funding, the most common being deputation. Okay, that's a term that missionaries often dread uh, there are alternate ways to raise your support, and I want to talk about those things because uh, I want you to understand what they're dealing with because this is really the tough stuff of getting to the field. Deputation uh, is the most traditional way of support raising, and this is where the missionary sets aside a certain time uh, and they become a full-time fundraiser, Okay, which a lot of people don't really expect. They, they think, oh, I know I want to preach the gospel, or I know I want to meet this need, but they don't realize what's coming is that they need to learn how to be a fundraiser. Fundraising, uh, allowing, and fundraising, you know, isn't necessarily something that you, it's all based upon you. This is something where you are trusting God to line you up with the people he has planned to support you. You think of it that way. Is that it's, a, it's a process where you learn to see if, if God's going to support you or not, and uh, you, you trust Him by faith. So that's deputation. I'm going to get into that in detail. But there's other ways to have funding. There's denominational funding. Uh, our church, Fellowship, is not part of a denomination, meaning we don't, like, we don't send missionary dollars anywhere but to any other organization that pays missionaries from there. We directly support missionaries here. We don't have any other hierarchy of church oversight or anything like that. But some denominations uh, already have funding for missionaries. In order to gain this funding, a missionary must qualify for their program and follow their requirements. The two most uh, well-known would be the North American Mission Board. So if you feel like you want to be a church planter in the United States, many times the recommendation is to go with the North American Mission Board. This is with the Southern Baptist Church, if you would align with that. And you go through them, you apply, you go through their process and their program, and they will fund you 100% uh, for, your, for your, what you're doing. Uh, for a church planner, they fund you, I believe, like 
$50,000 a year plus for like two years. So it's like really a solid solution as opposed to trying to raise your support on the front end. It's, uh, it's already there. The fundraising is, has already happened. There's also the International Mission Board. This is Southern Baptist as well, but this is for uh, going international. I have my youth pastor uh, in the church that I got saved in. He is one of the coolest guys. He actually went to college with Pastor Tony. Uh, and his interesting connection when I got here, I learned that they knew each other in college. Pastor Ben Sprankle, uh, he is a missionary to Madagascar. And he went through the International Mission Board. But I remember he praying about the application process and going through. And uh, it's, a high, it's a high level of accountability, a high level of training. But when he was approved... He didn't have to go on deputation. He was funded already. Uh, and that's, uh, that would be more of an indefinite funding because you're not planting a church so that you can then get paid by the church. You're, you're funded as an international missionary. So that's denominational funding. There's also uh, self-funding. I have known and have seen some people, God allows individuals to be independently wealthy. Or they are able to be bivocational. They have a skill or an ability or a trade that when on the mission field, they can support themselves or they have a business or a family business or something to which they don't have to go and get their support. They can be funded either working part-time and doing what their ministry is. So there's that self-funding option. So really cool opportunity there uh, in bivocational ministry. You know, some we get the wrong mindset that that could be like a second best or not as good, but you have a lot of opportunity to be around lost people and people that don't go to church than uh, us pastors who have a lot of work to do in the church building. Um, the, the next one here is uh, career missions work. You may say, ah, fundraising doesn't sound like it's for me. You may say, you know, I want to be involved in ministry. There are missions organizations on international soil or in this country doing full-time ministry work that you can go on their website and apply for a job, okay? That's, uh, that's I think, just as much being in ministry as not. They have already have funding, but you can work there as a career. Uh, for some people, it may be worth considering Wow, I could, I could be an accountant. I don't pick on accountants or whatever. You could be this job and, and work for this company, or you could equally give your time to a ministry that's you know, serving the needs of the gospel and serving churches, and that is ministry. Um, it's just different. So career work, some parachurch organizations have already funded budgets, and you could find yourself serving in ministry while receiving a salary from the organization you serve with. So, all right, so you have to uh, pick a mission board. Most people are going the traditional route, deputation. Most of our missionaries, they, they, but what you have to do is you have to pick a mission board. Uh, how many of you heard the term mission board before? I've heard the term? Okay, so you're familiar with the term mission board. Uh, here's mission boards. There's so many of them. I mean, there's really countless mission boards. Some are more popular than others. But what you need to ask is, what services do they provide? Missions boards, uh, they, they offer different things to you at, as a missionary at a different cost. So there's some certain things that are helpful to get you to the field. Uh, the first and the main thing that mission board does is donor services or financial accountability and record keeping. Every missionary needs somebody that when you say, I want to support them, well, you send their money to this somebody, this organization, a mission board, and they provide accountability, all right? Missionary work in general is like a great place for people to uh, steal and embezzle, and it's, it's, there's a lot of problems in mission work in the world. And what a mission board does is it provides accountability and honesty and transparency with the finances so that your money's not going directly to the missionary. It's going to someone else who is overseeing or making sure the missionary is actually doing missionary work. They're not just on a long-term vacation. Um, but some mission boards provide like extra things like uh, emergency assistance. What happens if you get sick or someone dies or there's a major surgery needed? How do you get back home? Does the mission board help with that? Do they have people on staff that can facilitate reserving flights or do they have uh, funds on hand to help you get back? This is important. 
um, training and resources. There are some mission boards that are strictly financial. They will only handle your money, while there are others that they won't only handle your money, but before you go out and fundraise, they're going to put you through a class and train you, and they have staff there to teach you how to fundraise, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, how to be a missionary in specific countries. They, like, they train you on everything. So there's this resourcing that some have available and some don't. There is uh, financial support and retirement training. Some mission boards require you that you raise support to a certain level, that you have money set aside for retirement so that when you are old and gray and you're a missionary, uh, you don't have to wonder how you're going to pay your bills. So they make sure that before you go to the field, you have these things already in place because not everybody knows how to do that. Um, some of them, uh, before you go to the field, have training for your kids. They will uh, teach your kids about what they're going to learn in the new country, and they provide a lot of assistance in you leading your kids to the mission field. Uh, there's some that provide fundraising assistance, like I said, that coaching. There are some mission boards that they actually give you a software or a uh, directory to all of the churches that other missionaries with that organization have gotten support. Crazy thing. So you can subscribe, much like you subscribe to Netflix, you can subscribe to a missionary deputation software where you can pull up churches in an area. It'll tell you the pastor. It'll tell you the, the phone number for the church, details about the church, where they stand, how they dress. Do they have a house that you could stay in? Uh, missionaries can review those churches based upon what their experience was. Like It is a real deal thing that we don't just know about because we're not on deputation. But it's helpful for the missionary because they, they only have a certain amount of time. You don't want to be on deputation forever. And so how do you get connected and what do you need to know to help you get your support? Uh, I found that interesting that these things are out there. I didn't know that. And then uh, some offer counseling services or crisis care. Uh, one organization I was reading, they actually have a team of counselors that are on staff full-time and they travel to where the missionaries are around the world and will help them. Marital counseling, crisis counseling, grief counseling, they, that's what they do. And that is a service provided. So with asking the questions, what services are provided, a missionary has to ask the question, what is the cost to the missionary? So this was new to me. Uh, I understood that this was probably a thing, but how does a mission board get paid? Uh, some mission boards do not take a cut of the money that comes in as donations from the missionaries. They're supported by the good faith of churches that want to let the missionaries keep more money, right? Uh, some organizations take a percentage of every donation that comes in. Uh, I want to give you some examples. So there's this one called ABWE. Uh, we have a few missionaries that are with that organization. This would be what you consider a full service. All of these things, they provide it all. They, they are really, they communicate great. They're the best of the best. They have counselors, coaches, everything a missionary could ever need and want. And if you raise your support, they take, their, their, their fees are very straightforward, 2.5% of everything that comes in for your donations. That's how they are funded and pay all their, their, these services for you. And then a missionary, each missionary contributes uh, in additional to that 2.5%, $250 a month toward the cost of services and resources they receive. Interesting, right? Um, and that's not a bad thing because there's a lot of benefit to going with a mission board like that. Uh, if you don't know what you don't know about a country, you don't know how much it costs to live there, you got to think if they have hundreds, maybe even thousands of missionaries, they already know what it takes to survive there, uh, what you need as far as medical coverage, what you need as far as insurance. And so these fees are helpful uh, but it's not for every missionary. Uh, there's one missions agency, which we have many missionaries at, called the Central Missionary Clearinghouse. And they are similar to what we have across the street at BEMA, but they only take $3 per transaction. So they're simply a clearinghouse, that'd be the terminology, which means they are only financially, uh, they're, they're keeping track of your financial records. They receive money, and then they deposit it in your account, and they they record everything for tax purposes, right? 
but that's, uh, it's cheaper for missionaries to go with something like that. But uh, it doesn't come with all of those other things. Uh, others include BEMA, which we, as a mission board, Pastor Tony is the president of. Uh, BEMA is like you described. BEMA was founded to be a helper to national pastors. And national pastors don't raise a lot of money. These are pastors that live and have come from other countries. They, they were able to come here, have a, a representative here. Well, their money funnels through BEMA. And uh, across the street, Judy Matheny, you all know Judy, uh, Sandy Walden, uh, which she's not doing well. She has some injuries. Um, but these ladies have worked for years and years, and they receive uh, every year over $2 million in checks for missionaries. And they process that, and they deposit. They have all of this bank account information. They deposit in all these accounts. So missionaries, when the support comes in, if they don't do their job at the mission board, these missionaries don't eat. You know, that is, that's how important it is. Because if you're on the field in some other country, you need to know that you have somebody that's in your corner that's going to get you your money and you can feed your family. So that is what a mission board does. Um, and they require different levels of accountability. Some uh, require that you report back to the churches at a certain frequency. Some do not. Some uh, require different levels of financial accountability. Some require monthly budgets being prepared by the missionary, and they make sure you follow those budgets. Uh, some do not. Uh, so this is, I thought this was really interesting, just the mission boards and what they do. All right, let me, let me give you a, a look at, at deputation. Some of you got this paper over here. If you didn't get it, there's one over here. I want you to get this. This is from 2016. Um, it's from one of the mission boards that some of our missionaries are through, BBFI. It's kind of a more of a full service, but they took a, a closer look at missionary deputation and have some really cool interviews in here, some behind the scenes and some stats. But I just want to tell you, like deputation, this is the main way missionaries raise funds. And here's what it looks like. Here's some stats. Uh, the average missionary deputation from no support to full support uh, means that they have traveled 104,429 miles. Well, 103. I can't type right. 100, 103, 104. That's a lot of traveling over, over the time of deputation, you know? Uh, 551 fast food meals eaten. 156 churches visited, resulting in 59 supporters. This is average across all their missionaries. Uh, 3,686 estimated phone calls to set up appointments with pastors. And the average length of time to reach full support for a family of four is 39 months, three years and three months. So from the time somebody says, I'm called, to the time where they can leave for the field fully supported, on average, in 2016 anyway, it was taking three years and three months. And it's still around that amount of time. Some people can do it in a year. Some people in a year and a half. Some people it takes longer than three and a half. This is, uh, this is an average, of course. So um, what I want you to understand, though, is that uh, deputation is like a whole ministry and a job before you actually get to the field. So just, I'm going to go through this section really quick here. So um, I want you to understand, though, like what they go through, because this means that they're going to begin deputation, most of them, as a full-time effort, okay? So they quit their job with no promise of income, and they become full-time fundraisers. Uh, they, they begin living by faith in the most pure definition of this, okay? So from the time they say they're on deputation or before they actually say we're going, they're lining up meetings, as many meetings as possible. Missionaries are trying to line up meetings for Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, whenever churches typically meet, and any other extra meeting in between, uh, meetings for coffee, meetings with pastors, pastors' uh, conferences, anytime, any way they can get in front of somebody that they can share their burden and vision with that they can invite to support them. And so they are scheduling meetings, uh, and this becomes their full-time job. And deputation is both a blessing and a hardship. Uh, it becomes really difficult with raising children on the road. You can think, obviously, it's already hard enough, but consider that each day you're traveling hours sometimes uh, to go from place to place. Uh, homeschooling, if that's new for you. But what it becomes, and in this it has a really good... Uh, 
kind of explanation here, pros and cons of deputation. But it becomes a great experience because you learn to clarify your mission. Just think if you had to explain to new people every day what it is God's called you to do. Just think if you had to explain God's burden and calling on your life, how clarifying and faith-building that could be to you. And that week after week, your family is seeing God provide for your needs without having a job already. Because what happens is, as you go to churches, churches will uh, either take up a love offering or they will issue uh, like an honorarium check for just speaking or whatever. So you're receiving income along the way and you're receiving people that make commitments to support you when you leave. Some of those commitments start at the time you, uh, they, they say, yes, we want to support you. Some of those commitments start when you leave. And so you're really living by faith, and these missionaries become, it's basically, they, they, they spend their mornings, if they're in one place, they'll be making phone calls for a lot of the mornings, the times you can catch pastors in the office or individuals, and they're lining up appointments. Um, I don't know if anybody here has a job in a call center or your appointment center. That is what a missionary is. Uh, when you meet these missionaries that come in that are on deputation, they have been calling and appointment setting and meeting and meeting and meeting uh, because they know God's called them to do something. And uh, I want you to understand that because we need to take care of them when they come here. Uh, we want to encourage them. We will often find ourselves buying them and their children gifts and making sure they're well taken care of because they truly are sacrificing to go do what God's calling them to do. Um, so I, I want you to be aware of that. Uh, you think about where would you stay if you, if you have to leave your home and you're on the road. Uh, there's not, you can't raise all your support within you know, driving distance of your home. So often uh, they, they stay in hotels provided by hosting churches or many will rent or somehow provide a, can't get a camper or a trailer that they will travel in. They even sell their house or if they were renting, they stop renting and they move into a trailer for this period of time and, uh, they, so they can have a more consistent living space. So you have to learn how to care for a camper and a trailer and all this craziness. Many will stay in missions housing. They'll use a software or they'll uh, connect with other missionaries to learn, well, where if I'm traveling through Ohio, where can I stay? And there are churches and missions houses and things like that. And we do that for missionaries here at BEMA. We have three rooms that we allow them to stay at. And so that is what deputation is. So starting, once a missionary is about 80% complete with their fundraising, 80%, 70 to 80%, that's kind of where it starts to come a little bit faster. For whatever reason, when you're hitting a goal in fundraising, you're getting closer to the end, it starts to come a little bit faster. But about that point, missionaries will begin to plan for when they will leave. They will begin buying tickets. They will begin making plans to uh, sell their house, to move. And so uh, here's a few next steps that they'll do. So they got to make moving plans. Uh, you got to think, a missionary, they're about to go to international field. They 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 don't have the ability to support two households. And so most of them are selling their home and every possession in their house, every TV, everything that they can't take with them, they're going to sell. Or, you know, maybe at this time, they're even living with family for a short period of time. Uh, they purchase tickets and then they are making living arrangements where they're going to be. Isn't that crazy? I mean, who just wants to, anybody want to do that right now? It's a lot of sacrifice. I want to make you aware of that but it's worth it for what they're, they get to do. Language school, uh, depending upon your field of service, they begin to plan for language school. Uh, and this often plays a major part in the first year on the field. Sometimes language school happens before you leave and it's part of the services of the mission board, depending upon where you're going. Um, how does a missionary start? Once you get there, have you ever considered like how do they actually get started? I, I wanna give you some examples of some missionaries that we support. So uh, a big part of starting on the mission field uh, is simply learning to live successfully in a new place and culture. There's a huge culture shock, um, just like if you move from uh, Los Angeles to Columbus. You know, I'm sure there's a, a huge difference uh, in just, just that. But they're moving to a completely new place, many times with new language, new, new brands, new stores. Many missionaries, when they go, they'll begin by serving with someone who's already there. It might not be someone they're going to work with long term, but they begin with 
someone to connect to. You know, it's, it's nice to know somebody when you're going. So they'll serve alongside a veteran missionary, learn the language, get started in ministry. Uh, there's a couple, uh, uh, Tate and Nicole Kennedy. Uh, they uh, were here back, I want to say 2018 or 2019, but they went to the Czech Republic. That's where they're at. They're, in, they're near Prague. They're just outside of Prague in the Czech Republic. And the first year or two, um, we would follow them. We would read their letters. It was really a lot of, hey, uh, we found this new store. Hey, we know where we can take our kids to have fun. Hey, we're learning the language. And you were wondering like, wow, that's not really a lot of, why didn't they start a church by now? It's because it's hard. It's, it takes a lot just to get acclimated to where you are. Uh, I mean, how, how hard is it even in the States to make friends and get to know people if you're trying to reach them? So year one and two, they were moving in, making friends. Uh, and as they made friends, they began having a Bible study in their home. No church building, no church name, nothing too fancy like that. Um, really cool. As of August of this year, they found a building. Uh, the Czech Republic is opening up as far as their COVID restrictions. So they just found a building which they were able to remodel part of it, and they are beginning their church in the building. And uh, really cool. And uh, Dan has posted that on the missions page, and it's really cool to see. There they are. They've made friendships. They're having these, they'll, they'll share uh, about appointments they're having with people they met in the market or wherever they go, and they're becoming friends with them and having them over for dinner. And now they're starting services in a church. It's really cool to see. Uh, and there's an example of the Cottrells uh, to Thailand. We have several missionary families to Thailand uh, here at Fellowship, and they all work together. They all are their missionary team. And the Cottrells, their first uh, years were simply working with the existing church that was there. They came in and filled a, a really important need uh, with outreach and preaching in the church. Uh, it was interesting. I, I, I was reading... Our letters. So Ricky Salmon, uh, he is kind of the founding veteran missionary over there. His son Shane is over there. And now Adam Cottrell's over there helping. Well, Adam now finds him, himself a couple years in preaching a lot in the church where Ricky would preach because Ricky was uh, recently diagnosed with uh, multiple myeloma. And so he just is having a lot of, uh, he's had chemo treatments and just having a hard time with that. And so you know, it looks different is what I'm trying to say for each missionary of how they start. Continuing in ministry, missionaries, like last week, uh, they'll, they'll do what they do. They have their various ministries on the field, but they come back for what's called a furlough. Furlough simply means you are coming back to the States because you're going to report to the churches or individuals that support you and just kind of reconnect with them again. Often uh, over a period of four, five, six years, that you're on the field, some churches close. Uh, some churches get new pastors, and those pastors decide not to support these missionaries because they don't know them, so they want to support new missionaries they know, and they make these decisions without thinking how it affects the missionaries. So some missionaries have to come off the field for furlough because they need more support. They can't pay their bills. And so that's uh, something really important to consider there. And that's why it's so important that every year we make those commitments to faith promise because we have missionaries relying on us not to just not be able to support them. We've had many, I say many, more like 10, 10 to 12 that we have on purpose decided not to support anymore. But those are for reasons of inactivity uh, or people passing away. They're just, you know, they, they're not alive anymore. They're in heaven. And, uh, but it shouldn't be the case that our church is healthy and we just make rash decisions. We try to make good decisions with that. Um, missionaries have to communicate with quarterly newsletters, email updates, Facebook groups for private posts. Um, and then I want to close here with uh, missions at the local church. So what do we do? What, like, what are we actually doing here? When we talk about missions program here, uh, it's really three, three functions. One is sending two is supporting, and three is praying. And there's a lot that goes into that. We should, and we're making an effort to uh, do things like this. We, we want to see missionaries come out of here. We want to see actual people decide to follow the Lord in ministry. We want to help them do that. That's what we want to do. 
Uh, we train disciples to go out into ministry. Secondly, though, we send missionary teams to serve on the field. Um, bef- right before COVID, the year before COVID, we had three missions trips on the schedule, and then everything fell apart with everything that was going on. So we would love to become uh, so that there are opportunities for you all to go and see our missionaries, to support them, to help them, to serve alongside them on the mission field. And so that's part of what we do. Is we, we don't just send missionaries, but we send our people to serve as well. And then supporting, we give monthly uh, to Faith Promise to support current missionaries. That's like the staple mark of what we do. Uh, we have missionaries that came here one day in, in the past. They presented what they were doing. They were on deputation, uh, making all those calls and meetings, and God lined them up with our church. We said, yes, we want to support them, and we're still supporting them. Um, just so you all are aware, and this is stuff most people just don't know unless you ask, um, a few years ago, we had all of our missionaries had random dollar amounts they were supported, some at $25 a month, some at 50 some at 100 some at 125 and it, there was really no rhyme or reason or explanation for that. Over the years, um, you got to consider the church is 55 years old, and so as people come in, uh, it used to be the thought process that you support a missionary and you support them at what you can support them at right then in time. That was kind of the common theme. You come in, okay, we have... 50 extra dollars in our missions account right now. Maybe we had a missionary pass away or somebody came off the field. So we'll support you for $50. And so you would have more missionaries at less amount of money. And that creates problems because it's difficult to stay in contact with more missionaries. Uh, You run into problems with people you've never heard from and talked to because you can't call them all and they're serving as janitors and they're not in ministry. So we've been taking this process of... Um, as missionaries can come back in and as they communicate with us, we, uh, we, we have missionaries that are at $50 level, and we have missionaries that are $100 level, and the ones that we send are over that level at various amounts. But as missionaries uh, either come off the field or as missionaries come to visit us, the ones that we currently support that we want to continue to support, we're raising to the $100 level. So we're working now so at the very least, all of our missionaries will be at $100 we're not there yet. We're working to do that. Uh, and then we want to go beyond that. Uh, right now, uh, in talking with missionaries, the average support from churches monthly is uh, about $150. That's when you get a new church. So we're, uh, we have many missionaries, and we're right on the threshold of what would be a good support from a church monthly. Uh, missionaries are getting support from churches and individuals more. Uh, not just churches, but a lot of individuals support missionaries directly. And so um, we take all this in mind and we're saying, hey, we want, to, we want to be faithful to provide for the ones that we're currently supporting. We want to be diligent to know what's going on. But we're trying to raise the support. So as missionaries come and speak, if they're a $50 missionary, uh, it's not because they're only worth $50. That's only what our budget allows. So uh, if we can raise their support, we're trying to move everybody into that $100 category and then expand up from there. Uh, So we're trying to have less missionaries or not take on as many, but support them at a higher level of involvement and really help them out. We do not have a goal for how many missionaries we support. Um, Right now, we want to adequately support the ones we have before we take on more. So a couple years ago, we were at like 105 or 106. We have 89 now. 